Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. So, let's begin. In this week's episode of Chain Reaction, I want to catch up on a few stories that have been about for some time, but to see what's happened since I last reported on them. They include the container and shipping situation and the rocketing price of containers and the impact that that's having on the supply of goods traveling all around the globe. Also reporting on the disruption to supply chains in the United Kingdom, uh, which has mainly come from driver shortages. It's estimated that somewhere between 14,000 and 20,000 drivers returned to the European Union after the United Kingdom departed from that union this year and they haven't been replaced. And also looking at some of the other matters with regard to food, it's nearly the harvesting season in the United Kingdom at this time, and there are obviously shortages of labour in that area, which are going to make some shelves empty in supermarkets. And there's already an empty shelf problem in supermarkets that's widely acknowledged by retail leaders in the UK. So those are some of the things coming up. Pressures mounting on the government in the United Kingdom from industry trade bodies and various commentators who've reported that there are more than half of current vacancies in sectors related to food and drink which are not being filled. And it's very difficult to fill these positions presently. A new report was commissioned by the National Farmers Union along with 11 major trade bodies and they estimate over half a million posts need to be filled in food, production and distribution as well as in the retail and hospitality sectors. They're trying to put pressure on the government to introduce a 12-month COVID-19 recovery visa which would enable European Union citizens to work in the UK to plug those vital gaps in the UK supply chain. But the governments have so far been unresponsive. There have been similar pleas with regard to heavy goods vehicle drivers and other key food sector workers and people to work on harvesting crops from farms. But the government really doesn't want to know. There have been press reports that have talked about we should be employing British workers, local workers, even though it seems pretty unrealistic given the current situation that that's going to resolve the issue. It's pretty obvious to everybody apart from government at the moment that it would be sensible to give a bit of slack here and allow the COVID-19 visa to take place. That would at least allow some breathing space while they consider how to handle the problem in the medium term. After all, this was a problem that the government made and they didn't plan for it properly. If we want to have food in the supermarkets and the shelves not to be empty if we want to have goods in stock and particularly for the run-up to Christmas which is only three months away then something needs to be done. It's not as if the food and supermarket retailers haven't tried to resolve the issues themselves and the road haulage association They have. They've tried all sorts of things to resolve the situation, but without effect. So there now needs to be some government intervention in a positive way to actually help the sector out. After all, they've worked extremely hard in the past 18 months during COVID to keep those supermarket shelves full. 
and now they're asking for some support from government. So it's about time government actually stepped forward. The driver situation with regard to HDVs, of course, it's been difficult to recruit and retain drivers, and that's not necessarily all to do with pay, but the average age of drivers in the UK is around about 55, and so a lot of people perhaps have decided to do other things. And that's been exacerbated by the 14 or 20, thousand drivers that have returned to the European Union. There have also been problems in securing licenses that operate in the European Union and making sure that drivers can spend sufficient time on the road. The government's solution to that was to extend hours. That's not really a sensible solution because that uh, actually makes the road networks perhaps more unsafe and of course you can imagine the trade unions are not very pleased with that approach and it's really like sticking a a plaster on a serious wound so it needs to do something with regard to the visa suggestion to ensure that we have enough drivers to make those deliveries without them the shelves will remain empty and probably get worse So why wait for the crisis? Resolve it before it happens. But sometimes people are a bit slow on these decisions. From October, there'll be further checks at the border for food products entering from the European Union into the United Kingdom, and that will probably make the situation much worse. There are lots of inconsistencies in the way in which these border checks are being carried out. And if we have disruption already, this will just add to the problem. From January 2022, there'll be even more checks at the border for plants and animals coming into the United Kingdom from the European Union. And it will really ramp up the scale of the problem at that point. There are various councils around the country where they have already highlighted this problem to government, particularly Portsmouth, who said that they haven't got the infrastructure to deal with this uh, new situation. So there hasn't been a great deal of forward planning with regard to what's needed to deal with these new regulatory frameworks that are being imposed in the United Kingdom, which seems absolutely incredible to me that government hasn't thought this through. Consequences, of course, will be very real. They'll be apparent on the shelves of food stores throughout the country. And if we think things are bad at the moment, they're likely to become a lot worse. And the complacency from government that's hampering people working in the food and distribution networks is unacceptable. Ian Wright, chief executive of the Food and Drinks Federation, has written to George Eustace, who's the minister responsible for the environment and looks after food amongst his portfolio, and to David Frost, the negotiator on the part of the government with the EU over Brexit to highlight the issue. And it just seems to me and to many others that we're just walking into a perfect storm here, completely unprepared for what's ahead. Retail supply chains in the United Kingdom two or more years ago were something to be proud of. Retailers had very 
fast supply chains. Yes, there were problems in them, but not at the level that we are now experiencing. And the way things are headed, it's likely to get much worse. So we've gone from just-in-time supply chains in the food sector to not even just too late, but a long too late. I think uh, anyone listening to this uh, Chain Reaction episode and they haven't listened to the Food Security episode that I did earlier, uh, it might be worth a visit to that to listen to the issues around food security because we're certainly heading into new territory here. One of the other things I've uh, visited in the past few months is the price of containers and how they've increased significantly. They're now somewhere between 500, even 600% higher than they were just over a year ago. And with the main retail season upon us, usually retail sales, great proportion of retail sales are done in the last quarter of the year. And in fact, in the last couple of months of the year. And that's when we expect to sell Christmas stocks, and those sort of goods in retail stores. And this year, lots of retailers are complaining about the price that they're having to pay for these containers in which they ship their goods from China to the United Kingdom. And I did some calculations about the increased costs of various products, looking at how they were occupying space in those more expensive containers and the price that that would add at retail stores. And it's quite significant. It can add anywhere between 15% to the price of an item in store and more in some cases. In fact, a lot more in some cases. It depends on the bulk and how much space is being occupied in the container. So these containers and the price of them seems a little bit like exploitation, which is what I said in the episode on Where's My Box by the companies moving containers around the globe, and that includes the the big shippers and the uh, transport services supplying those containers. And it really seems to be a situation where the, there is a cartel pushing those prices upwards for people. It's a bit of good old-fashioned profiteering. Maybe pirates would understand it very well. Another thing... Uh, we want to take a, a look at again is the situation with regard to microchips, microprocessors. These microprocessors I discussed in an earlier art article in the Tony Hines blog, and about six months ago it put a halt to car production because they couldn't get enough microchips to continue with the production of cars. Because the modern car these days has quite a few microprocessors in the makeup of the car on the Bill of materials. And if you look back at other industries, obviously in the computer industries where they're making products for sale or in phones and so on, they need microchips and most of those microchips come out of places like Taiwan. And there's a shortage and there has been for some considerable time. And that shortage is still in place and in fact is getting slightly worse as production cranks up. They're beginning to see shortages occur in all sorts of industries. And so that's going to disrupt supply chains that require microprocessing equipment for some time to come. The other thing that's a consequence of that will be inflation. When there's a shortage of supply and demand remains stable or increases, obviously it puts pressure on prices. And that no doubt will 
be the case. NHS England has sent a letter to all GPs and to various health professionals telling them about a problem with the supply chain for vials. Those are the small test tube-like containers that carry our blood tests. And there is one major supplier, which is Beckton Dickinson, which is a United States-based medical supplies company. And they're having problems in the supply chain getting these items to NHS England. And so there's likely to be holdups in blood tests for several weeks. Uh, they're hoping it's only a temporary problem. But uh, we know sometimes that temporary problems get worse. NHS supply chain has attempted to uh, mitigate the problem of these blood tubes, as they're called, the BD blood tubes, because the supply chain is going to remain constrained. And they've managed to obtain stocks which are CE marked as alternatives, which they talk about in their letter as KFK 1269, KFK 031, 1271, 233, 1270 and 117. And they say that this stock will be reseated into the NHS supply chain from this week. That was back on the 24th of August. And the organisations involved may start receiving deliveries of the tubes following that in the usual way that they receive UK stock. But nevertheless, whether this is going to fill the gap or not uh, is is the question. The likelihood is there's going to be shortages and some disruption, and they've already planned to reduce the number of blood tests that they actually conduct on things such as diabetes and other regular tests given to patients at GP surgeries. So it's a problem. But I think there's a limited number of suppliers that make these specific items. Probably an opportunity to have a company dedicated to making them for Public Health England. They must use enough of these items to make it worthwhile and to sell access to other health providers. It might provide a profitable opportunity. I read an interesting article in Inbound Logistics, the July 2021 edition, and it was by Merrill Douglas, and it was on third-party logistics. And there was a survey there that caught my eye, the top challenges that shippers face. And since we're talking about shipping today, some of the top challenges that they mentioned in this survey were cutting transport costs by 50%, finding, training, retaining qualified labour was 47%, e-commerce was 44%, managing inventory 39%, business process improvement 37%, and supply chain visibility 32%, then followed by selling in new markets 31%, and improving customer service 28% and risk management 28%. So when we think about the top challenges, obviously cutting transport cost, yes, that's important. Finding training for qualified labor, yes, that's something we can help with. E-commerce, 44%, managing inventory, 39%, and the business process improvements and supply chain visibility. So all the things, in fact, that I've been mentioning in these podcasts over the past few months. So there were no surprises in that for me. One of the things is I'm surprised that some of the things aren't actually um, 
higher percentages, perhaps. But I mean, that's that's pretty good. One of the other things that came up in the top challenges faced by third-party logistics companies was finding and retaining customers, 74%. Finding, training, retraining, labor, 73% for third-party logistics organizations. And obviously, there are concerned with compliance and regulation, which is 35%. And then they've got things like supply chain disruption, contingency planning, risk management, 31%. Now, this all started me thinking about uh, putting together a list of concepts and knowledge, together with skills required by the supply chain professional of the future. And I think I'll probably put this together for a future episode of Chain Reaction, where I'll think through the sort of skill sets that the supply chain professional of the future will need. And I think that will be helpful to people to keep that in their mind as they move forward, because you can structure your reading and your learning programs around that. And of course, if anybody needs any help with learning programs, I'm always here at the end of an email that you can contact me, talk to me, and uh, I'd be delighted to talk to you about your organization and, and the needs that you have and help you in any way that I possibly can. Sometimes it's good just to have a a voice that um, you can talk to that can help you think about the needs for your organization. What kind of training needs do you actually have? So maybe that's something you want to think about. And if you think I can help, just get in touch. Now, if you haven't had enough disruption, just think about this little scenario. Supposing you're running your logistics operation and you've got your trackers in place and it's transmitting data to let people know where the goods are at any point in time on your trucks or on your containers. And supposing the technology you're using is about to change. And so you're all set up with 3G tracking devices and suddenly everything switches to 4G. Will your tracking devices still work? Is there a problem here? You might have to upgrade your systems. You might have to not only upgrade the hardware, but you might have to think about some of the software that's involved. And supposing that all this is happening in the next year or so, just at a time when you think you've smoothed out your supply chains after all the disruptions that we've talked about, then you've got the technology issue. So, what can you do? Well, I'd suggest that if you want to stay ahead of the game, that you start to think about this as a potential disruptor and just investigate what you need to do in your organization to keep things on track. 3G devices are about to shut down and obviously we've we've had 4G for some time and we'll be moving to 5G before we know where we are. So just think about the the 5Gs. The first time we came into this digital world we eliminated the need for wired systems. In 2G, we replaced all the analog systems completely and introduced encryption and allowed multimedia messaging. When we get to 3G, we've got the mobile internet and the access and the video calling, all the things that we're familiar with. 4G put the speeds up, cranked up the game, 
allowed video conferencing, the sort of thing we've seen throughout the pandemic with Zoom calls and and dedicated systems. And when we get to 5G, we're going to have lower costs in the operation. There's going to be energy savings and the data transfer rates are going to be exceptionally fast compared with what we have even now in 4G or 3G. So are you ready for all this? Well, you need to make sure you will be. Also, while we're thinking ahead, and just a flashback to our conversations about shipping and the demand for container boxes, well, carriers have been investing in new container ships. And during the last year, they ordered 381 new vessels. Now, these are large vessels carrying containers, some of the biggest ships in the world. So, bolstered by the profits they've made over the last year or two, and the insatiable demand for container boxes and ships to move goods around the globe, they've investors in the future. But even that investment is going to mean in the near future, during 2022, there's still going to be a shortage of shipping and probably uh, container boxes too. So it's the ships that come online in 2023 that are going to open up some of the constraints that currently exist in moving goods around the world in those vessels. And shipping, of course, is still a very dangerous business as you move product around the globe. There are all sorts of threats, not just the natural threats from the sea, but I read recently of the vessel staffed with an Indian crew that was taken by Iran, and it's being used to store oil, and that was just taken and nobody seemed to do much about it. So, it's just a reminder of the various problems that can occur when you move goods around the globe. Well, that's it for this edition of Chain Reaction, all about supply chain advantage. And I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. So, this is Tony Hines signing off. Bye for now. You've been listening to Chain Reaction, all about supply chain advantage, written and presented by Tony Hines.